Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Edgar Allan Potpourri. Want to freshen up your bleak existence? Try new Edgar Allan Potpourri, the avant-garde line of room-freshening essence. With new scents like Annabelle Lemon, Rose Gold Bug, and Cherry Pit in the Pendulum, you'll be able to fend off that gothic sense of impending death, and you'll smell great doing it. Quoth the Raven, this room smells fantastic. Edgar Allan Potpourri, patent pending. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swung. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! Yeah! Yes! Yeah! Yes! Yeah! Yes! Yeah! 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 Now get ready. This is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by Armchair All-Americans and our friends at SeatGeek. Taking a second just to let you know a little bit more about them, SeatGeek is one of the top web apps for ticket buying purchases, whether you're talking about a sporting event or a concert or a play or whatever you might need a ticket to, SeatGeek has you covered there. Their app is really easy to use. The best part about it is their app is really, really high tech. They end up going around the internet, scouring all the tickets, telling you whether it's a good seat or a bad seat based on reviews from other ticket buyers. They'll tell you if the price is a fair price or not. And more than that, you don't just have to buy your ticket with them. If you sell your ticket with SeatGeek, then it tells you what is a fair price to charge for your particular seat. Now, you guys know my thing with seat fees. You guys know I absolutely hate seat fees, and I think they might be one of the worst inventions of all of mankind. Well, unfortunately, SeatGeek does still have that, but they do have a special. If you use our promo code ACAA at the checkout, they're going to give you $20 off, which essentially pays for that seat fee. So as long as I'm not having to pay that, then it's pretty much gone to me. So if you use SeatGeek, make sure you use my promo code ACAA. Get that $20 off at the checkout. Get the best seats possible. SeatGeek, life's an event, and we have the tickets. All right, so before we get too deep into the baseball discussion, I just have to say, Doc, I missed you so much. Hey, I missed you too, buddy. It's uh, it's really good to be back, man. It's uh, last week was the is the second time since we started doing the show that that we wound up or that I wound up taking the week off because we didn't do one uh, Thanksgiving last year and regretted it immediately. And 
don't get me wrong. I had an absolutely tremendous time. I was riding a gondola in Venice while you and Jordy were crushing it last week. But, uh, but yeah, man, it's good to be back and, uh, yeah, ready to talk some baseball again. We're ready to talk baseball. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to, uh, to get Doc's thoughts on about last week since he was not there and I missed him so terribly. I'm just happy that the show didn't burn down without him, uh, that I managed to limp across to get him back home. But joining us today is one of our good friends, somebody we've wanted on the show for a long time. If you hear his voice, you're, it, it's one of the most distinctive voices in Braves country, unless you're Matt Kritzberg, and then you, you could be forgiven for thinking they're the same people, but they are not. Joining us today is Clay Beck. Clay, what's going on, buddy? Uh, nothing much, guys. What's going on with y'all? It's good to good to get you on, man. The uh, in case anybody was wondering, part of part of why we were so fervent about getting Clay on the show is when we did the co-hosting contest that Jordy actually won. Uh, we both kind of howled uh, with laughter at the video that uh, that you sent in, and uh, we said, I, "I almost feel like we just need to get him on as a regular guest." So uh, you know, we really. Really excited to get you on, man, and uh, excited to get your your stunning insight. I know you have plenty. Uh, I have some uh, some ideas floating around here and there, on occasion. Some stuff but, around uh, the old news. Having me on, it should be a, a very fun episode. But let's get right into this. Doc, tell us about your favorite parts of Italy. I have never been to Italy. I have never been out of the country on a pleasure trip. So. Describe to me, so I can live vicariously, what it was like going to a place as sophisticated as Italy. <laughs> well, um, my my wife Valerie is is very regimented. She is she is a scheduler, you know. And even even vacation isn't isn't that much of a, a relaxing time. Like even when we do beach vacations, it winds up being that we wind up doing a whole bunch of stuff. So when you go to Italy, that it, it, there's obviously a lot of really cool things to see. So you know, there wasn't a whole lot of sleeping in anything like that it was wake up and and go to to the domo in florence which is a church that was built in like uh 14th century or so climbed 465 steps to the top and then you just see florence or just roofs as far as far as you can see and mountains in the distance and i mean it's like every everywhere you go in the the entire country is picture worthy and it's like the whole country's a museum around here you see a building that's 100 years old you're like wow that's ancient over there everything is 700 years old and we're walking on cobblestones that were laid in 1200 or whatever you know it's it's super cool we we hit all the tourist stuff we did the vatican museum we did saint peter's and the sistine chapel all of that is as advertised we went to the coliseum and the forum like i said we went to the domo and the bell tower we did a wine tour in Tuscany, and we kind of got hammered in the daytime. Kind of nothing. We <laughs> we just got hammered in the daytime. Um, and then in Venice, I mean, Venice is right on the water, so like the gondola thing, it, it's like a staple of being there. But like, it's so quiet Be- because it's on the water. You don't have the cars and everything. Like you, you'll have some some boat traffic that goes by, but it's pretty serene, you know. And it was nice, relaxing, but it was cold. Like that that was the craziest thing about it. it was like. It's as far as uh, longitude, I think it's like Boston or Montreal. Like it's it's a lot farther north than that we're used to in Atlanta here. So it was pretty chilly. I got kind of sick over there, um, but also got a chance to to go up into the mountains. We went up in the Dolomites, which is basically like the Alps, and got to see some snow caps in the middle of May. It was uh, up in Cortina, which is where they're doing um, 
it's not the Winter Olympics, but it's like the Alpine World Skiing Championships in this tiny little Italian mountain town where it's like some of the most unbelievable mountain peaks I've ever seen in my life. Best vacation I've ever been on. And uh, I hate it when people say, now I need a vacation from my vacation, but I get it. I'll just say it like that. It was exhausting. It was cool. And anybody who's listening to this, even if Italy's not on your bucket list, Italy is on your bucket list. You just don't know it yet. So, How much pizza did you eat? Not as much as you might think, but it's uh, every, not everything, that's pretty hyperbolic, but most of the food over there is is carbs with cheese. Some some variation on it. You that's know what perfect. I mean? Perfect. Uh, what's that? That's absolutely perfect. You just described like my, my dream food heaven. If it has cheese on it, I will eat it. Oh, and this cheese and wine, that's all you need. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a... Uh, by the end of the week, I was I was really really craving some vegetables, which does seem kind of kind of preposterous. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, God, it was wonderful. The food the food is as advertised. The coffee is as advertised. The wine is as advertised. The see, every single thing about it, like pictures, don't really do it justice. That's why I haven't really posted a lot from from the uh, from the trip because I mean even. Even I didn't even want to look up some of these things beforehand, just because I wanted to have it be brand new when you, when you first get there. And uh, I'm glad the Coliseum is huge. The Coliseum is freaking huge. But uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. So um, go go there. <laughs> Everybody speaks English. All the signs are in English. If you want to do international travel. Um, you know, don't start with Cambodia, start with somewhere like Italy or Australia, where it's like it's a foreign country, but it's it's really not that foreign. So what you're saying is I shouldn't take a holiday in Cambodia. Not first. No, no, I would not. I would not start with Cambodia. Clay, I hear you chuckling. I'm assuming you got that yeah. little reference there. Oh, uh, yes, but I can't remember the band now. Dead it Kennedys, escaped, bro. Was it, was it Guns N' Roses? No, it's Dead Kennedys, bro. Dead Kennedys, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but whatever. Uh, <clears throat> well, Doc, when you were uh, when you were gone, when you left, the Braves were in kind of a bit of a conundrum. They had just gotten obliterated by the Dodgers, and you and I freaked out about Max Fried almost going down. Um, yeah, that was scary. Luckily, since then, they look like a totally different ball club. I. I have some thoughts on what energized them, uh, namely Ronald Acuna going back to the leadoff spot. But how's for for you two? Has it been more of an excitement or relief? Because for me, I've just been I've just been breathing a sigh of relief that the Braves are are back to looking good. I, I was really worried there for a second. Go ahead, Clay. Uh, it's definitely a relief. I mean, a lot of experiments, a lot of change in the lineup. You know, seeing what works, and a lot of it didn't. And, you know, getting back to the old school, you know, Ronald Acuna at leadoff, hitting dingers, is, it feels like home, man. No, that's, uh, that's a really good way to say it. I mean, it, and everybody knew that there was going to come a time where Stitt was going to say, all right, we, we tried it this other way, and it's just not working. And the fact that the Ender got injured when he did was, um, it's like universal interference, like getting in and saying, what are you doing? Put, put Acuna back at leadoff. You know, and uh, and and even when Ozzy was there, Ozzy was he was okay, but there were there was still something lacking. And now he's he's the straw that's stirring the drink. You know, he's got four home runs. He's he's putting putting pressure on immediately. 
Well, the other night against Andrew Suarez, he over on the first pitch of the game. You know, that was the first pitch that Suarez had thrown in the majors all season long. I mean, that's that's the type of thing that, that you have to do to to get out ahead. So the night I left, yeah, they had just lost uh, their their fourth straight game. And uh, yeah, I kept my phone off from for most of the trip. So imagine my surprise when I, when I eventually turned it on. I'm like, oh, my God, we're on a run right now. And what is Austin Riley doing up? I, I missed that whole thing, which that's. You know, you talked about um, Acuna being being a good reason for the offense kind of turning it around. Austin Riley just being here has been massive, massive energy to the team. It's similar to when Acuna showed up last year. It really is, and there was a lot to unpack there. So I, I, I want to start this off with Acuna. First off, if Brian Snicker ever tries to move him down in the order again, I want Walt Weiss to like physically tie him up. I don't know what he's going to tie him up with, but find something in that dugout or in that clubhouse and, and physically like tie him to a chair. Do do not the whole city of Atlanta would riot if right. that were to happen. I mean, just like we did the first time. When I I don't know why it took. I'm glad he did it early in the season. I guess people are trying to give him props for for doing it when he did. I'm not giving you props. Like, dude, you saw what happened last year. Why were you trying to mess with what worked? I, I'm just glad it, it's. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Acuna is more comfortable there. Acuna is a completely dynamic player. Lo and behold, when your dynamic player is the one that leads off the game, good things have a tendency to happen. You tend to score runs in the first inning, which tends to bode well for you for the rest of the game. So congratulations for finally going back to what worked and getting Ozzy and Ender out of the leadoff spot. But one thing about Acuna that I've really noticed, and I'm Maybe you guys have noticed it too. I'm not sure. Have you guys noticed at just how good Ronald Acuna is at hitting balls off the outside of the plate and hitting them as a as like a tank job? I don't know if I've ever seen somebody that hits a ball that's a full baseball, maybe a baseball and a half off the plate, and just yanks it dead center. No doubt. No doubt. And that's part of why he belongs at the top. It's not like you've got to try really hard to figure out exactly where you're going to pitch him to where he's not going to even if he's not hitting a double or hitting a home run or something like he can find a way to, to be a pest, put the ball in play, you know, move, move the runner over whatever he's got to do. And uh, it's similar to somebody like Vlad Guerrero jr. The, the best way to pitch to him is just kind of cross your fingers and, and hope, uh, hope whatever you're doing is working. I mean, yeah, his, I mean, his, his bat speed and his play vision are elite and you know, he can catch up to stuff on the inside super easily, you know, and that, that means that he can get to the stuff on the outside pretty easily too, um, and drive it. He can drive anything, anywhere, in any quadrant of the zone. It's just so amazing. He's so strong, and he's not a big guy. Like if you'd see that he hits balls, you know, he's got an average home run distance of like 428 feet, which leads the majors. So you think, yeah, he's probably a bigger dude. I don't know that he weighs 195 pounds. Yeah, I mean, you you see guys like Fran Mill Reyes. It's no surprise. But that guy can hit one 470. But some of the home runs that Acuna hits just you couldn't barrel it up any better the way that he does. I mean, the swing is so beautiful. Like, and and he's it's not like he's uh striking out in three percent of his plate appearances. He's he's still got some deficiencies there. But if he's making contact, man, it's it's about the prettiest thing in all of baseball. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. I mean, all he does is I make mean, hard he- contact. Yeah, it's funny when I when I watch him bat. Um, obviously, you know, hitting hitting his dingers is amazing, but it looks to me like what he's doing is he's seeing the ball about a half second before most other major league ball players. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know if his eyes are 
you know, Superman's eyes or whatever, but it just seems like he's seeing the ball so well that it just allows him to to barrel everything that he that he wants whenever. And to me, I think the the big key with him is is his bat head stays in the zone so long. If you watch him swing, he doesn't really swing like any other player. His his swing, if you if you watch it, it almost looks like he's using his arms more. And it's just because the the barrel of the bat stays on the same plane for him for so long through the zone that when he makes contact with the ball, he's just got all of that behind it. And his bat head is purely parallel in that zone. It's really fun to watch. I don't know. I don't know that I could that he could teach that to anybody. I don't know that there's anybody else in baseball that swings quite the same way as Ronald Acuna. And I don't remember if it was Ozzy or Ender that made this point about him, but he said, you know, whether he bats leadoff, if he bats leadoff, he's going to be the, the best option at leadoff. If he hits cleanup, he's the best option at cleanup. It, no matter where he hits, like <laughs> he's he's the perfect guy to be hitting anywhere, any of the time. So since he's such a catalyst and and having Dansby and Freddie and Donaldson and just kind of tweaking it to where it, it works optimally instead of just working on paper, because, I mean, you can make a case where Acuna is a perfect cleanup hitter, you know what I mean? But he, and he said all the right stuff about, Oh sure. I'll just do whatever I have to do to, to help the team. But if you're trying to set the tone at the beginning for an elite offense, especially when you're, when you've got some young pitchers that, I mean, Soroka's got confidence for days, Freeze got confidence for days, but no matter how much confidence you've got, if you're up one, nothing, two, three, four, nothing before you even throw a pitch, if you're, you know what I mean? Then, then like, it just does something to you. It helps you relax and kind of get those jitters out. So the fact that the team has performed so well, I think they're nine and three since they moved him back to the leadoff spot. I mean, the, the results are speaking for themselves at this point. Absolutely. And you mentioned Austin Riley before that. I didn't just gloss over. I just wanted to save it for this next thing. And, and you talk about the Austin Riley call up and what Austin Riley has done since being called up, what he's done this year in general is completely incredible. He every he's another one. Everything he seems to hit, he just seems to barrel. It it he's he's gonna have some swing and miss. That's kind of gonna be his thing. Um, but when he makes contact with the ball, he hits the ball. Everything he hits is right on the button. And you you've rarely seen him get fooled, which is a huge thing for him. You're talking about a guy that's what twenty two years old for Austin Riley, and a guy that yeah. Last year he didn't have the same level of success as Ronald Acuna, which is why people, you know, you've got the the revis- the revisionists talking about why bring in Donaldson when you knew Austin could do this. This Austin Riley that you're seeing this year is not the same Austin Riley that you saw in spring training or the one that you saw last season. This Austin Riley is a guy that's that's figured things out and he's comfortable with what he's doing. He is in the zone right now and he is completely locked in. This is not the same guy you would have gotten had you started him from day one in the majors. This Austin Riley is 28-year-old Austin Riley. He's won a couple of silver sluggers. You know, he's this this isn't a rookie that they brought up. They they got a time got in a time machine and they went into the future, brought that Austin Riley back, and now he's just mashing bombs. He's confused as to why it's so easy. This isn't a normal human being we're talking about here. He hit 18 home runs or 19 home runs all last season. He has 20 already between Gwinnett. And uh, and Atlanta, he has 18 home runs this month. It is the 23rd, you guys. Like this, this is like even Acuna is looking at him, going, "Damn, son, how are you doing that?" I mean, like the power stroke that easy. 
this is it's it's just and and no, it's not sustainable. He's not going to ride. He's not going to wind up hitting eighty home runs this season or anything. But when you look at the upgrade, like we can we can say whatever we want about Ender, um, but man, like having Acuna and Riley is infinitely better than having Acuna and Enciarte on any number of fronts. Not to mention Riley's been grading out positively so far. He's got a uh, positive defensive run saved in left field already for a guy that played four games and left in the minors. I mean, the dude is an athlete. So there's going to be a big, big decision to make about what to do with, uh, with this whole situation. Cause you can't send Riley down. Right, like there's there's not a chance you wind up sending him down. There is no way in the seven hills that Austin Riley is getting sent down when Ender Enciarte begins his rehab assignment. But I do feel I would be remiss if I did not mention, and I know Doc will call me out on this. Um, I should say that um, I might have been a bit off on my previous evaluation of Austin Riley. Um, what he's done. And, and it was a very subtle change, but it's a change that has meant everything. He's lowered his hands. If you if you put some tape of him side by side from last year to this year, and you look at his swing, his hands were a lot higher up, closer close to his head, uh, right up over his shoulders, but they were higher than than they are this year. Which meant he had to go down farther to get into his low. So he's going down and moving back. When that was slowing his bat down, that's why he could struggle. He was struggling a little bit uh, to to consistently hit guys that were throwing ninety five plus. Which in today's baseball, if you're not hitting ninety five, you're not hitting anybody because everybody throws ninety five. Well, about a week, maybe two weeks into the season, all of a sudden his hands are, are are lower, so he's getting into his load quicker. It's not that the swing itself is any faster. He's just cut the time into his load, and you're seeing what a, a guy who is an absolute monster of a human being. He doesn't have to to throw an Acuna-like swing. He doesn't have to swing as hard or as fast as Acuna to send a ball a country mile. He's got that country strength. You know what I mean? I think it was it was Jason Woodell who came on and was saying, this looks like a guy who was just kind of born that way. You know what I mean? Like, he never lifted weights a day in his life. He's just born being able to, to do these type of things. He's got massive hands. He's, he's got hit more balls 105 miles per hour off the bat than Ender has like his entire career. That's not a joke. Like he, he really has done that already. You know, he is, he's just any, the biggest concern on him was, was the bat speed. So, and you bring up a good point about like, it's not that he has actually wound up speeding it up. He just got more, it got to a more efficient path. You know what I mean? So that's once again, like I was just saying about the, the team as a whole, the, the results bear it out. I mean, everything that we're seeing, like it's almost hard to believe that this is actually happening. I mean, this is Evan Gaddis level of, Oh my God, hype, you know, like who, who the hell is this guy? Like we, like you said, we knew, we knew Riley was good, but he, he wasn't this not, not, we didn't know he could do this. We didn't know he, he could do this because he wasn't even this until recently. Boys, he's Clark Kent. Puts up some glasses, walks around Atlanta, and then all of a sudden he takes, you know, he takes his glasses off and he puts on the jersey at night, and then he just hits dingers. He's he's uh, he's Clark Kent. He's not from Earth. He's from uh, what Krypton. I'll take it. He's he's <laughs> it. It is some sort of run. He's doing Pete Alonzo things right now, and um, if you guys haven't looked at Pete Alonzo's numbers, go look at his too. They're absolutely ridiculous. I believe Pete Alonzo has 17 homers already as a rookie. Uh, so it, it's good for the Braves to 
to do this two years in a row. You've got Ronald Acuna who came out the gates last year and just put on an absolute laser show. Riley, I, I do think he's going to slow down. There's just no way to continue this pace. It's just not possible to hit a home run every other day, for like every game. So he will slow down at this point. But you start looking at like what's a realistic possibility, and he's going to go through some struggles. There will come a point in the next couple of months, once teams have tape on Austin Riley, pitchers are really diligent, and major league pitchers are really good at their job. They'll start to figure out what he does worst, and then he'll have to make an adjustment off of that. Now, assuming he makes that adjustment, he might get to 30 bombs before this year's over. I don't think it would surprise me. Yeah, I don't. Monster. He's got he's got the barrel chest. He wears like a size fifty six coat. You know, like he's he's a big old boy. And and that's the thing we we did know that he was always going to wind up having some power. But the fact that he's actually like getting base hits on top of it too is uh, this is why you never give up on guys. And the other night when it was Riley Acuna and Soroka. You know, these are all guys that the Marlins were like, hey, we have interest in so-and-so. And the Braves front office was like, yeah, I bet you do. You know, it's uh, it's good to know that they that they wound up holding tight on some of these guys. Because, I mean, they were, they were getting – there was some level of dangling these guys. I By mean, the way, not to totally interrupt you, but how stupid does Derek Jeter and the Marlins feel right now knowing that if they had taken the deal at the deadline last season, they would have gotten Soroka and Riley for JT Romuto. You know, <laughs> sometimes you can really overplay your hand. So uh, I mean, that organization's a dumpster fire anyway, so they probably don't know any different. That's what you call being too greedy. It's pretty uh, pretty remarkable that they. You know, the Marlins actually have the longest winning streak in baseball right now. They went six, six in a row. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, you know what else is remarkable? They're like a game back from the Nationals right now. Yeah. Clay, you're talking about teams that are a dumpster fire right now. Like, oh my god, the Nationals are horrific. That was my pick to win the division. I figured the way out. Everybody's pick every year to win the division. They're still so talented. They're so talented. I, Davey Martinez, might be the worst manager of all time. If this, like, I don't know what it is with them, but Davey Martinez is not going to last another month. Is it is it Davey Martinez or is it deeper into the organization? I don't know what's going on. I mean, you I, can't place all of the blame on Martinez. Right? I don't know, man. They didn't play this badly under Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker's just, you know, he, he's a I guy mean, to get true. you there and not get you over the hump. I don't know what it is, man, but if if and slash when, because it's going to be when, they fire Davey Martinez, if that team ends up turning it back around, they have so much talent on that roster. And for them to be, what, like, what is it like eighteen and, and thirty one or something like that? Some some ridiculous number. It, it's just unacceptable. Now, granted, I'm happy as a Braves fan because it takes out one of the teams that I was yeah, really the, worried about. The Nats are nineteen to thirty one. Nineteen to thirty one. And that's after did they? I think that's after winning today. It's just it's yeah. I it's, I don't know. Bad maybe, luck for them. Is, go ahead. Maybe they'll hire Mickey Callaway when the Mets fire him. I like uh, Mickey Callaway. Let's do a by little the way. like carousel of managers there in the nl east i don't know what i don't know you might as well move that organization back to montreal because it it is a team that has the players that they do and to be performing that badly it's good news for the braves but for baseball as a whole it just makes you scratch your head um but again good news for the braves bad news for the nationals Uh, and we haven't played them yet this year which seems so crazy to me that we can be two months into the season and we haven't played washington 
they're they're coming but yeah it is it's really weird it feels like last year it was oh, it was the phillies that we played like 12 times in the, in the first the first six weeks of the season or something like that and and, and now it's to like towards the end of the season yeah yeah like it came back like the next time we saw him it was like it was when we clinched yeah. i think yeah, i think it was that, the most was important series the most important series of the year uh, that is when you want to be facing them but yeah we we you finally get the the nats next week i mean the schedule has been not necessarily brutal but it's it hasn't been any great teams outside of the dodgers but i mean when they played diamondbacks and they played the cardinals and the brewers I was nervous, especially after that that Dodger series, but they wound up taking all of those series, you know? And the Giants and game is still going. I think they're going into the thirteenth now. Um thirteenth, yep. Yeah. So so they are um not a particularly good team. And we get the Cardinals next, which they are st- I think they're the last I saw they're in fourth in the NL Central, but that's like basically like being in second in any other division. But then after that we get the Nationals, we get the Tigers the Marlins, and then the Pirates. Excuse me, we get the Pirates uh, twice on, on either side of the Marlins. So um, we got some division play that's that's coming up there. We finally get to face the Nationals and kind of see in person what's really going on there. I mean, even even if they are struggling, it's sometimes it's hard to, to face a division rival. I mean, we, we did lose once to the Marlins earlier this season. So uh, still, even if they're underperforming, you know you still got Scherzer to go up against. And Patrick Corbin and Anthony Rendon and and this whole stable of really talented guys. So, you know what? Whatever <sighs> you bring on your Scherzer and Strasburg, I don't care. I've got Soroka and Freed. I'm fine. And and this is a this is a two game series, so I, I don't think that they're pitching back to back. But we'll at least get uh, we'll at least get one of them in there. I'm I'm pretty sure. So I still can we talk for for a second about Mike Soroka? Do we say that for segment two? <laughs> let's save that for segment two. I think that he deserves some, some real attention and not just like a flyby. Uh, just so, amazed. <laughs> it, it's, oh, it's, amazed. What he's doing is, is absolutely insane. Uh, but you, you brought up who the Braves have just beaten. And after that Dodgers series, I was really, really worried because the Dodgers are, are kind of the measuring stick. That's the team that if you, if you're, if you have your sights set higher on getting to the playoffs, everything goes through the Dodgers. If you want to get to the World Series, it's through the Dodgers. And the Braves did not look like they even belonged on the same field. So the Diamondbacks, the Brewers, the Cubs, the Cardinals, these are all really talented teams. Now the Cardinals are, are struggling. Uh, a lot of their their big-time offensive players are not performing well. Matt Carpenter, uh, Marcelo Zuna, uh, a few guys on their offense who really are underperforming. But how the Braves were, were going to handle those teams, I was worried that the Braves were going to go on a big losing streak there. And the way they played Milwaukee, I think was was to me. I think that was the biggest series of the year. Milwaukee is an incredible team. The only hole they have is what the Braves exploited. That's their starting pitching. Their starting pitching is pretty abysmal, but their offense is incredible. Their bullpen is incredible. Josh Hader might be one of the best pitchers in the league. Period, starter or reliever. And Freddie Freeman tanked on them. And it was to to take that series from the Brewers was absolutely huge. I think that's done a wonder for the Braves' confidence. Uh, now, I need you to go ahead and beat the Giants today. Don't don't split a series with one of the worst teams in baseball. Just go ahead and put them away. These are the games that you're supposed to win. You know, 5-1 against the Marlins, and, and you, have to, you have to win those games. And 2-1 in the series against the Giants, not bad. And if they're able to take the game... 
against against Mad Bum. I mean, truthfully, they were one strike away from from being up 3-0 in the series and having it not be nearly as big of a um, must-win game as it is. But uh, but yeah, these these are important because you know you're going to wind up dropping some to the Dodgers. You're going to drop at least one to Milwaukee and any of those three series we were talking about. Um, you know you're going to wind up dropping at least one, maybe more, against some of these, these really good teams, and that, then that's okay. I mean, in baseball, you can even if you win a hundred, you still lose sixty-two. So you're just you're just going to lose some in, in the course of being. But but yeah, we're in the in the thirteenth inning right now, and uh, I'm starting to wonder who's going to wind up coming in to pitch this game. So I hope that uh, that somebody's going to wind up coming in and pitching multiple innings because it's uh, Charlie Culberson, boys. I, it's time He's coming it's, in, <laughs> bring him back out. Uh, you know, he um, got his first got his first strikeout uh, the the last time he pitched. So uh, so yeah, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if we wind up wind up seeing him here. So. But yeah, all things considered, I feel so much better about the, the team this month as opposed to as opposed to last month. They've proved, proven that they can hang with some of the good teams. They've proven that they're capable of beating some of the not so good teams, and not just you know like last year in June we lost a series to the Orioles. Like, are you kidding me right now? So, um, so yeah, I don't know about you guys. Uh, Clay, temperature check for you. How are you feeling about the team overall right now? I feel really good. It. To me, they look like they're they're doing what they need to do against, like you said, the um, the weaker teams. But I mean, even if they don't quite take this game today, it is against Madison Bumgarner. That's their best pitcher out there. Um, it's not the worst thing in the world. It seems like there's a very definitive line there that you know they're starting pitching. You know, five or six innings. You know, they're getting tired. Um, you know they're they're hitting well against bad pitchers. They're hitting okay against okay pitchers. They're doing all the the necessary things to succeed. You know, and they're not gonna you're not gonna win every game like you said. You're not gonna win 162. That just doesn't happen. But if you can take you know two games out of every three game series, three games out of every four, if you can split a couple, hey, you're still going to the postseason. I mean. That's the name of the game. Win as many series as possible. Nobody goes into it thinking they can sweep every series unless you happen to be the Astros, who I don't know if they're ever going to make an out again, much less lose the game. Uh, but when you're talking about the Braves, that offense, it, it's kind of weird how quickly it's gotten to it, but the offense is, is what drives the machine. It makes me happy. Um, in this climate of baseball, I do think offense is what drives the meter. When you look at the teams that are in the postseason the last three, four years, the guys that go to the World Series and go deep in the playoffs, they're all really, really great offenses. Now the Braves with the addition of Austin Riley with the most underrated player maybe in all of baseball and Freddie Freeman, uh, Ronald Acuna, of course, Josh Donaldson, you've got one of the deeper lineups in the division. You're still not the Dodgers who have like 20 homer guys that just come off the bench, but the Braves bench is substantially deeper when you consider that Johan Camargo can come off the bench or if he's being used correctly as a super utility piece. Matt Joyce is actually a decent bench option. Uh, we know what Charlie can do off the bench. It's, it's a far better bench than it was last year just by the simple fact that Ryan Flaherty is nowhere near this, this team anymore. Uh, Nick Markakis has has had a, a really good season. He's slowed down lately, but he finally got his first off day today. And I think that's going to be the the key thing here. Is it's time to start getting some of these guys some days off, and the Braves have the ability to do that. I, I hate to uh, I hate to jump in here, but uh, Austin Riley just hit a what appears to be a two run excuse me an RBI double to right excuse me RBI single to right field, and the Braves are up five to four now. 
Love him. Seems about right for for uh, the week that Austin, the two weeks that Austin Riley's had. This seems about right for him. So how do you like that? We've been coveting the relievers and the Giants bullpen. So there we go. There we go. <laughs> Who needs a bullpen? We need a bullpen so bad. <laughs> that is very true. Uh, when we come back, we have to take our first break of the show. When we, when we come back, we're going to talk about the dominance that has been Mike Soroka. Don't worry, you guys. Y'all are crazy if you thought I wasn't going to talk about Max Freed. We'll cover that as well. Uh, along with some of our other favorite guys, or some guys to take some notice of in the minor leagues, some other guys who aren't Austin Riley, but deserve some props all on their own. When we come back, we'll talk about all of those things right here on the Platinum Sombrero. This week's episode of the Platinum Sombrero podcast is brought to you by Amsterdam, presented by the Worldwide Tourism Federation. Have you already booked your trip to Holland? Well, if so, be sure to download Amsterdam, the hot new globetrotting companion app that's got everybody buzzing. Whether you're planning on getting cross-eyed in Kulemborg or wrecked in Utrecht, with Amsterdam, you can plan and track an entire slate of activities for those Rotterdam days and Harlem nights. Because your trip to the Netherlands should be impossible to forget. And even harder to remember. Don't let your memories go up in smoke. Download Amsterdam today. Presented in conjunction with Dank of America and the Contraban, delivering chronic debauchery since 2001. Patent pending. Welcome back, everybody, to the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you by our friends at MyBookie.ag. MyBookie.ag is the number one place to go for any and all online gambling. If you like to have a little bit of fun with your games, if you like to bet the money lines, if you like to bet the props, MyBookie.ag has it all, whether it's if Ronald Acuna is going to hit a home run in the game, whether Austin Riley is going to hit another home run in the game. It's a pretty good bet to make right there. If you like betting the Stanley Cup playoffs, uh, NHL never seems to end. They always seem to be in playoff mode, so... Pretty good place to go would be mybookie.ag. If you like to bet on boxing, uh, mixed martial arts, mybookie has everything. And if you're ever concerned, if you ever don't understand a line, if you want to, if you're new to the to the experience, want to learn a little bit more, mybookie.ag's customer service is second to none. Very helpful, very quick, just an all around fantastic company to use. And as a bonus, just because they're our friends, if you use our promo code Braves twenty five, they will give you up to fifty percent match on your initial deposit. So if you sign up and put in $100 of playing money, they will give you $50 just for using that promo code and make it a whole lot more fun. MyBookie.com play, MyBookie.ag play, win, and have a great time. So before the break, I did mention who all we're going to talk about. I'm just going to jump straight into this, guys. Mike Soroka might be the most outstanding 21-year-old pitcher I've ever seen in my life. I don't even know if there's a mite about it. I've never seen it anything like <laughs> like what he's doing. And I don't um, – you never want to give too lofty of comps, you know what I mean? Because if people if people don't live up to it, then it's – you know, you wind up looking like a moron. But and, and, Shots yeah, fired. And, Thank you, Doc. What's that? Said, Shots fired. Just say my name next time. Hey, dude! Look, I, no, and that's I do the same thing. I I refrain from making comps because one, I don't feel like I, I have the the uh, the knowledge base requisite for doing such a thing, 
but uh, but also because I don't want somebody to dig up an old take and say, oh, you said that, you know, Ender and Ciarte was going to hit like uh, whatever. Um, but dude, I, I can't help it. Every time I see Mike Soroka, I'm like, this is like watching Greg Maddox. It's, it is. And it, I feel ridiculous for saying that. Greg Maddox is a Hall of Famer who had sub two ERAs in multiple seasons, like one of the best control artists that ever pitched. And every time I see Soroka, I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> this isn't. You never see anything like that anymore. Like Clay, am I crazy? Like this is this is not unprecedented, but this is we haven't seen a pitching prospect like this in a long time. I mean, guys, I think we need to calm down just a little bit. I mean, he his ERA did get over one the other day, so I mean, really, how good is this guy? I, I mean, know. come on. No, I I, I love Mike Soroka. I I've loved him the whole time he's been in the system. I got to see him as uh, his opening day start before he got called up last year at Gwinnett. He was he was dominant there. It was just and it was, you know, it was amazing. When he got hurt, I cried a little bit. Part of my soul died uh, <laughs> last year. And uh, but he's been and he's him, him and Austin Riley to me. They show such. Uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh Wow, camaraderie. Blanking right now, not not a camaraderie, but like uh, they're they're so advanced in their in their thought process and the way they look at the game of baseball and the way they play the game of baseball. It's it's it, they aren't twenty one and twenty two year olds in my eyes. Like they just they play so advanced. Uh, it, it's it's amazing. It's amazing to see him deal on the mound, Austin Riley, the way he you know sees the ball, the way. Soroka's throwing the ball. It's it's incredible. I I wish I was that mature. Mature. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, I wish I was that mature at 21, 22 years old, uh, because I made a lot of really dumb mistakes. But uh, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have these guys on on this team. Mike Soroka is the one comp that I still feel really really good about. I comped him to Adam Wainwright, and I still feel fantastic about that comparison. Uh, not Adam Wainwright today, but Adam Wainwright when he was first coming up is a guy who just everything seems so easy for him. You don't see him stress. You don't see him ever upset on the mound or sweating on the mound. It, it, it just seems to flow so easy. His his motion, his mechanics, everything is free and easy. Before you know it, he's pumping a 95 sinker past you. Every pitch he has moves. He doesn't throw anything straight. Very rarely does he throw anything down the middle quadrant of the plate. Almost all the time, it's on one corner or the other. And it's just, it's really fun to watch him. It's not, this might sound bad to some people, but it's not the same to me as watching Max Freed, where when I watch Max Freed throw a curveball, like I, I giggle like a little girl and I have to look around and see if anybody heard me do it uh, because it's like, <laughs> it's involuntary. Like I can't help myself. Uh, I, I don't get that same, that same elation when Soroka throws like I don't think Soroka has any pitch that's the same as Max Fried's curveball his slider has some ridiculous spin rate on it though I will say that uh, but it's just everything he does it's it's the most solid consistent thing I've ever seen and it's it's impossible to just look at him and think this is a 21 year old this is a guy that pitches like he's 31 32 and that he's been in the league for 10 years he just knows exactly who he is and he knows that if he does his job you can't do yours it's so much of the time when you see guys that have that are that are 
know how to pitch and sequence and locate and do all of those things, they're doing it because they don't have the velocity to to blow guys away. But hey, that's hey. what makes him makes him so special is that that he's like he can do all these things. He's painting with ninety seven. Like all of his pitches break in the exact right spot every single time. His mechanics are precise every single time. Like I've. I really just I kind of can't believe what we're seeing here. And like we talked about Riley in segment number one, th- what he's doing is not sustainable. I don't I don't think that he's going to have an entire season where his his ERA stays uh, hovering around one and his FIPS under two, and he's not r- really getting the home run that he gave up to the belt. And it was Crawford to to break up the perfect game the other night was the first one that he'd given up in sixty one something innings. I mean, this is this is unreal. And it's it would be hard at him, excuse me, hard for him to win rookie of the year at this point because you talked about Pete Alonso in segment one, but my God, like we wanted an ace. There was talk about, you know, let's go get Kluber, let's go get Bauer. And a couple of months ago we were wondering about Soroka's shoulder at all. And now this is like this is the ace we've been looking for. And even like you, you have been had banging the drum for Freed for a long time, and me too to somewhat of a lesser degree. When Max Freed's not even the best pitcher on your staff, what is going on? By the way, it's I great. should I should actually mention right now. Congratulations to Mac Williamson for joining the Platinum Sombrero Club, as the Braves have just beaten the San Francisco Giants five to four. And Mac Williamson, your packet, your uh, membership package will be coming in the mail, uh, eight to ten business days. We welcome you to the club, sir. Congratulations, Mac. You're welcome on the show anytime. Sorry to derail there. Sorry to derail there. Uh, but you just brought up Max Fried, and I. That's totally worth it. While you're right, I kind of want to fight you a little bit. And and understood. And and we can you know everybody's everybody's got their love affair. You know what I mean? Like Soroka. I, I remember when Soroka got drafted, and just every, everybody was like, "Oh, this is a reach." Nobody's ever heard of this guy. Should have drafted so and so. You know, so many woulda, shoulda, coulda, missed opportunity thing. And then with the next pick, they picked Austin Riley, and they're like, "This why are they drafting this guy as a third baseman?" You know, the, every, all the other teams want this guy as a pitcher. The Braves don't even know what they're doing. And as it turns out, the Braves front office once again knew more than just a whole bunch of casual fans on Twitter. Brian Bridges uh, might is, be the best talent evaluator ever unbelievable what he what he was able to to pick out of that but but now you see why all these decisions got made and this is why you say you can't judge something right after it happens you have to give it some time so so clay i'm gonna kick this over to you it's game seven of the world series um and freed and soroka are on regular rest who do you start Ooh, that's tough see the the difference for me in freed and soroka freed you're dealing with an artist soroka you're dealing with a surgeon they're both great at doing what they do. It's just the way they go about doing it is completely different. But they're both amazing. I I mean, obviously, the, the lineup, I'd have to take the lineup into effect, you know, the lefty-righty splits and whatnot. But, uh, I mean, if, you know, if that's not a huge factor, I'm going Soroka all day long. That's why I'm crushing you. That, think- is why, that is why Cy Whistler is crushing the Watuga County dinguses. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, what? Wait, wait, I didn't hear what you said. That is why my fantasy team is crushing Clay's, folks. Right there. 
Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're going there. We're going there. <laughs> no, but, but seriously, uh, though. Yeah, well, that's what happens when you uh, have no control over drafting a team and you just have to watch Josh draft for that, you. That sounds like, like an excuse. Watching a five-year-old. Like watching a five-year-old, like with a just a handful of markers, just in a pure white wall, just like just coloring the whole wall, and then you're just like, I know to not do that, but I guess I just got to let you do your thing. It, yeah. So. No, but I am playing that up a little bit. I totally understand what Mike Soroka does. <sighs> I don't want to say this out loud, but I guess I have to. I would probably take Soroka too. Dang it! Ooh, but oh my god! It's really? for for one <laughs> Over reason, your boy. For for one reason, I don't think when you're talking about freed, there's a bigger component that comes to freed, and it has to be the correct game plan with him. So the catcher makes a big deal. Now you guys know that I've obviously hated on Tyler Flowers catching Max Freed. Tyler Flowers did call a, a fantastic game for Max Freed last week uh, against the Brewers. It was a fantastic game call. Uh, very few times did Tyler Flowers throw a fa- or call a fastball three times in a row. He actually varied the pitches, and he let Freed like, work a curveball early in the count, which has always been important. But Soroka doesn't have any discernible splits between either catcher, and that's just because all of Soroka's pitches move to where it doesn't really matter which pitch they're calling. Nothing is, is really having any chance of being left anywhere in the danger zone. Occasionally, he'll leave a changeup to where it can get hit and get hit hard, but teams are but the, the hitters are so off balance because everything else has been pinpoint that they basically they'll end up missing the meatball pitch. You talked about the one home run in over 60 innings. That's the thing. When you're talking about playoff base, if you're talking about who I would rather have facing the Dodgers lineup, it's probably Soroka because the pitches he throws, while they don't have the same amount of movement as Freed's, the movement they have is more – It's the right way to put this. The movement they have is, is more geared towards ground calculated. balls. It's, it's Yes, a little bit more calculated, and it's a little bit more efficient at getting ground balls. Max does a great job getting ground balls. And if, I, like, if you're asking me my favorite pitcher on the Braves, it's Max Freed. Um, but I do have to be honest. Uh, what Soroka does is is more geared towards the ground ball. Soroka gets strikeouts, just like Freed gets strikeouts. Freed is more of a power pitcher than Mike Soroka will ever be. But Mike Soroka, everything he throws is is three, four, five pitches in farther along in his head. That when when Doc, when you talked about him and Greg Maddox, that's that kind of thought process right there, where Soroka thinks of things, you know two innings down the road, three innings down the road, what's the best possible outcome? And he thinks of, like, what's the worst-case scenario with this pitch? So that's why I'd probably take Soroka in that situation. It's a it's a great conversation to be able to have. You know, there, there were so many questions. Still love you, Max. About the, you what? Still love you, Max. I mean, it's it's like I said, if, if Free is the second-best starter on your team, this is good. This is a really good thing. There were so many questions about who, who's going to step up in the rotation, who's going to do what. And the answers have been two guys that everybody were just kind of hoping for, you know, but there were huge questions about Fulty. There still kind of are, but we're going to get to that in a second. Julio, over the last four starts, has been tremendous, just absolutely tremendous. He's had um, sub-1 ERA over his last four starts. I mean, the, the fit isn't really bearing it out as much, but he's that's if we're looking at reflective, not predictive, 
that he's done a fantastic job. Over the last 30 days, the Braves have, uh, have not counting today, have been 11 and 6 uh, with a 296 ERA, 362 FIP, um, walking three per nine and striking out uh, just just about uh, a batter per inning. So I mean that that's pretty good. And based on based on where things were uh, with coming into the season, like I feel really good. I mean Soroka freed obviously. Julio has looked different. He seems to have a, a spring in his step. Even if the velo kind of comes and goes, he has looked a lot better. He does kind of have that Julio swagger. Gossman, Gossman and Julio are very similar. Uh, but Gossman, I still don't know what to make of him. But I think because Soroka and Freed and Tehran have been doing what they've been doing, that having Gossman as a four – and possibly a five if if Fulte can build off what he was doing. This is a rotation you can actually feel pretty good about. The bullpen still, we're gonna get on that too. But but Fulte is the wild card here, you know, because he he was okay in that first start with Colorado when he came back, and then against the Padres, and then against the Cardinals, especially. Thank God I did not have to watch that one. Um, that was a. Uh, that was a bad one. And he grew up a Cardinals fan. I wonder if that gets inside his head at all is that he was facing his childhood team and, uh, and they just kind of started to beat up on him and everything kind of started a compound. But this past start against the Brewers, he gave up a home run to Christian Yelich. I mean, you, you can forgive that. So if, if he winds up being a five, then, and Gossman, you're four, you still feel good about it. But if he can start taking these steps to where, he's a three again, or he's a two again. And then you're pushing either Max or Soroka. And if that's your top three, that's dangerous team with this offense, with those as your top three, even with the bullpen having hiccups. I mean, that's a, that's a stout team right there. That's a good series wrong. right there. The, pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. I like that. I you mean, brought up Julio. What you're, what you're starting to see with Julio a lot that slider is starting to bite again. And, and a lot of people were, were quick to, to start yelling about Rick Kranitz and wanting to pull the plug on him. That's a Rick Kranitz staple. If you look at what Aaron Nola was doing a year ago, one of the reasons why he had such a good year and why it was something that, you know, it was, it didn't look like why all of his peripherals backed it up. It was the, the sharp bite on his breaking ball on his curveball. It was, the ability to use them in different counts and to to not have to not have a pitch that's uh, a predictable pitch. Like when you have a problem that you have to go to this pitch, that's one of the things that hitters look for. That's why a three one count is the best count in all of baseball, or a two zero count. What do hitters do? They know they're getting a fastball. Why? Because for the most part, pitchers can become predictable. Baseball players like their rhythms. They like their structures. So they like to get ahead early and then play with their off speed pitches. Rick Kranitz, what I think he's trying to do with these guys, what I hope he's trying to do, what he did with Aaron Nola, was get them to the point that they can use any pitch in any count. And it just gives the batter two, three more things that they have to think about, and it disrupts timing. To see Julio having that slider working most of the time this season, it's a really big thing for him because the velocity, he's not going to put people away velocity-wise anymore, and hitters do not chase the ball off the plate the same way they did three years ago which was where Julio made a lot of his living then. He has to be more around the zone now. So having a slider that's got that type of bite, if he can carry that over, and I don't think he's going to keep up with uh, an ERA under one. 
don't think that's going to happen. He's actually hasn't given up a whole lot of home runs this year, at least as far as Julio goes. So at some point, there's probably some regression coming. But I love what I've seen out of him so far, and I, I think a, I think a lot of people owe Rick Kranitz an apology. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, Kranitz has definitely done a lot, you know, to help Julio, and I think I think he's on the brink of helping Fulte get back to you know 2018 form. And I think what you're seeing in Fulte right now, in my opinion, is um, you know last year you saw Julio, you know, he's struggling with two things, or actually three things. He's struggling with his mental state. He was struggling with his fastball velo, and he was struggling with his slider. And I feel like the same thing is happening to Fulte now. I don't know whether it was because of all the, you know, injury stuff earlier in the season or what, but he just – I feel like he he can't depend on those two pitches, which are his staples. So if, if he can't, you know, and we all know how much of a head case Fulte is, and if he can't go to his two favorite pitches, then, you know, he starts getting getting angry and throwing temper tantrums and giving up home runs and – you know, things like that. And he's he's such a crucial part, you know, because we saw last year, he's a really good example of why you don't give up on a prospect because every, everybody wanted to put him in the bullpen and or, you know, just trade him, see if you can get some type of value for him. And then it clicked last year. And he was the only, only one who liked having Chuck Hernandez as a, as a pitching coach. Um, but yeah, he's such a crucial aspect of this team. And, and when we were doing the doing our prep before the show, this is something you brought up, Dylan. You know, like you feel a lot better about having Soroka, very mentally stable Mike Soroka as your number one, and and shortly behind him Max Freed uh, as as your number two, as opposed to having Fulty as your number one. Because as soon as things start going sideways, like when five rolls over to one during the season from the rotation, then you almost don't even notice. Uh, but in the playoffs, it's really important. So when you're Mike Foltynewicz and you give up a home run to Jock Peterson, literally on the first pitch that you throw to the Dodgers, I mean, things that that can cause you to spin and can cause your team to spin because you're already like with such a young team, you're basically walking the tightrope to begin with. So his development, if he can work with Rick Kranitz, and he doesn't have to come back all at once. I mean, it's still going to be kind of gradual. He's He's got his spring training behind him, and it sucks that he was doing it in Atlanta and not in Gwinnett, but um, even even with him struggling, like I, I still feel really good about, about what he's going to be able to do. And the numbers that I was kind of spouting off earlier with the, with the 11 and 6 and with the 296 ERA and 362 fit, that, that includes – a number of starts from Fulte just kind of coming up, coming out and stinking it up. So it says a lot about the rest of the rotation that those numbers are where they are with him struggling the way that he has been. So, um, but if the starters, <laughs> if the starters are pitching well, and then the bullpen does some of the things that they have been doing recently, that, that thing, it still, still keeps happening and they still keep making moves. And I like the way Newcomb looks out there, even though he gave up the home run today, Chuki looked fantastic and got a new acquisition this week, which I think that we should probably touch on. Uh, Dylan, tell me, tell me what you think about New Braves reliever Anthony Swarzak. All right, so there's two separate thoughts that I have on Swarzak. One, Swarzak the player taking away everything about the deal and about the situation, just Anthony Swarzak the player. Not good. 
Um, he's had two. He's had two really good seasons in New York in 2017. He posted a 2.2 F WAR. He was one of the better relievers in all of baseball. Uh, one of his seasons with the Twins, he posted a full 1.0 WAR, which is a really good season for a reliever. He has more negative value seasons than positive. Uh, he gives up a ton of home runs. He gets a lot of strikeouts, but he's a slider guy. And Doc, you know I don't like slider reliant pitchers because the slider happens to be a pitch that if you don't if you make a mistake with a slider that ball goes a very very long way um as far as what has he been lately dude had an 807 uh fip with uh the mariners and that is a very very bad defensive team with that team his fip was an 807 <laughs> so and, and the the game logs were really interesting for him cuz he had like seven or eight straight games where he was lights out and then he gave up one or more and often cases it was or more uh, runs in like seven or eight straight appearances. And with his appearance last night with the Braves, he's now had three straight scoreless. So I don't know if he was working through some type of injury or what, but all of that, like during that seven or eight game span where he was just sucking royally, his fifth was like 17. So all things considered that eight, that don't look so bad now, does it? It's like Juan Nicasio. Yeah, it's like Juan Nicasio. Juan Nicasio did the same thing for them last year. He got yeah. a ton of holds. He had an ERA of like six because he would go through spurts where everything he threw would get touched up from massive dingers. That's kind of the way Swarzak is. If you're asking me, do I think he's going to be some lockdown solution to this pin? No. Uh, my thoughts on the actual acquisition? They don't bother me. It's worth a shot. You weren't using Biddle. You'd already released him. Uh, you were probably about to DFA him again. Um, Vizzy's not playing anymore. You can't trust Vizzy to throw like a potato chip without breaking his shoulder. So, I mean, you got something for two players that were not part of your team. Now, whether you really got something or, you know, you, you basically it's a blindfolded dart throw. It's not even like a real dart throw. It's like somebody dared you in the bar to like close your eyes and throw it. And you're just drunk enough to think that that's a good idea. So there's a potential for this to be really good. He maybe a miracle happens. Maybe he captures that form he had in, in New York. Maybe coming back to the NL does that. I don't think that I would expect that. I don't think any rational fan should, because for the most part in his career, he has a really good season followed by a few seasons of really, really bad play. Um, does it bother? I think, I think it's a worthwhile gamble. I mean, it's not like he can be much worse than what you had with Biddle and uh, and Viz. And if he doesn't work out, you can release him. I mean, it's not a big deal. The money ended up being pretty much even. Uh, they threw in some money, so it ended up being like a, a like a, a zero net right there. So why not take a shot? It's let me clarify. If that is where it ends, like if Swarzak is the big idea that now our bullpen is fixed then I'm going to have some major problems. If this is just a, hey, let me throw a Band-Aid at this until we get closer to the deadline, then I'm fine with it. I, I think I think that's probably a little more what it is. It's like It reminds me of the Blevins move a little bit, where it's like, look, we need to, we need to make a change, and this is what's available to us right now. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think this is the end-all, be-all, and, and I think that Anthopolis would tell you that, that, he's, that he's still looking around. But... Uh, what about you, Clay Black? What do you think about this Anthony Swarzak nonsense? Uh, I'm I'm with you guys. You know, it's just there's there's holes in the dam right now, and we're patching them with uh, with band aids. Um, and if the band aid holds, awesome. If it doesn't, we just get another band aid. Um, 
I think AA's got an overall plan for the most part, you know, as much of a plan as you can have in baseball. But, uh, you know, and I mean, look at look at Anibal Sanchez. What was it last year, Anibal Sanchez? I mean, you know, we picked him up, you know, going into spring training. He ended up, you know, starting in the postseason for us. You know, and I know that, you know, that's comparing apples to oranges and so on and so forth, but uh, it, it never hurts to take a flyer on some of these older guys just to see if you can capture lightning in a bottle for another half year, three quarters of a year. Hell, if he goes out and pitches, you know, another 30 innings and puts up a three ERA, I'm pretty sure most of us would be, well, some of us would be happy. But, you know, I'm good with it. We'll see what happens. And uh, worst case scenario, we got a whole crap load of people in the uh, in the uh, farm system to come up, and we'll give them a shot. I think my one thing on this bullpen take, I'm seeing a lot of people who are acting as if like this whole bullpen situation, uh, and using the fact that a lot of the a lot of the free agent relievers have not been strong to this point in the year, and using this as some sort of springboard that Alex knew exactly what he was doing at the beginning of the season. Um, Doc, if I were to tell you that a team one game out of first place uh, has switched over 80% of their opening day bullpen. Would you assume that that is a team that is in second place, or would you assume that something horrible has happened? Uh, I would, I would lean a little more towards some, something borderline catastrophic has happened. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if, you know, may, maybe there was some type of inkling, you know, maybe maybe they've got some models and they ran it and say, well, I mean, look, we're it doesn't make sense to sign this guy. But we don't know that for sure. But it does it does certainly look interesting that of all of the different options that uh, so many of them are gone. Two, and, uh, two relievers that were on the open that were in the opening day bullpen remain. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and some of it, you know, the Biddle thing, Biddle was good last year. Sabatka was good last year. And, and I think that there were they, those Biddle was on his way towards a Phantom IL stint until he got hit in the nuts with a comebacker. <laughs> and then I think his, I think his I think his IL stint was legit. And I think that Sabatia actually hurt himself too. And he's starting his, his rehab stint tonight. But even of those two guys, one was the laughing stock of the team last year. Like my, he was my perpetual punchline. I'm sorry, Luke Jackson. I am for real. Uh, and and then it was Josh Tomlin who got picked up off the scrap heap and the luster is kind of wearing off him a little bit. So um, I, I will say that you know there there is continual tweaking. I think I think there's more to come. I think that I think that they're getting there. I think that Newcomb and Tukey spend the rest of the year out in the pen. I think Dayton will be back up soon. Uh, Jackson, um, he's he's really done well for himself. I had no idea until I read that article that friend of the program, uh, Eno Saris, put out that that Jackson apparently went to driveline this year or this off season. So that might be part of the reason why he's done really well. Jacob Webb still love that guy. Um, so I, th- I think that they're they're getting there with some of these guys and Swarzak. Um, like I said, it reminds me of, of the Blevins move and said this is um, this is a band aid that we're gonna that we're gonna put on the dam. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But you can't you can fault them for not doing stuff in the off season. I think that everybody's well within their rights to do so. But uh, you can't fault them for not doing things during the season because there has been constant turnover out there. I think that uh, Swarzak was the nineteenth difference reliever that they've used this year 19 different relievers <laughs> it is may the 23rd yeah dude. that that's another number that if, if you think that this was a master plan i think you're kind of dumb um i think that the Braves have gotten incredibly lucky with how it has turned out and that's okay 
All that being said, I'm happy the Braves have gotten lucky. They have looked a lot better lately. So hopefully things are starting to stabilize because the bullpen doesn't have to be amazing for the Braves to do what they're looking to do, at least in the division. But if you start thinking about you know, sites, setting your sights a little bit higher than just winning the division, then that bullpen is a much larger deal. Doc and I am sure we're going to get to that a little bit. We'll get to that in in future shows. I have a feeling that the bullpen is going to be the topic of conversation for this team for most of the year. But that said, we are rapidly running out of time, and we do want to do an extra inning segment um, selfishly because Doc and I are both wanting to hear a story so badly that we decided to take about 10 minutes out of the program just to dedicate towards Clayback running the extra innings gauntlet. So um, I don't know. Do we have enough time to do like a couple of questions or do we just get right to the meat of this? Let's throw out uh, three questions. Okay. All right. First things first. Number one, Clay Beck, uh, you have an unconventional and unnecessary superpower. What is it? Conventional and unnecessary. I, I think I was having a conversation about this the other day with someone i can't remember who it was but what i ended up coming up with was kind of a weird one but it it, it fits me i would i would love to give perfect advice all the time (laughs) that's a good one that's i that's pretty useful actually (laughs) i mean yeah i I guess it wouldn't can it wouldn't be considered unnecessary but that that was my weird superpower like if somebody's having a really bad time or day or something like that, I could just tell them something and it would make it better. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, I feel like I don't feel like I've ever given good advice, good, good advice in my entire life. I try to give good advice because I've been through some stuff, but it, there's some situations where I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, but I would love to just be able to give like perfect advice all the time forever. That'd be pretty cool. No, that's good. I think that's a good one. Uh, what about you, Dylan? I, I don't know if we've, if we've had this question before. I don't know. I think uh, if, if we're talking unnecessary and unconventional, the ability to make any dog poop just by staring into his eyes. <laughs> oh, I, man. No I more. I an apartment with my ex-wife, and I would have paid you any amount of money to be able to do that, to take her dog out and just stare at it and make it poop. Because there's no telling how many hours that I've wasted. No more 20 minutes. No uh, more 20 minutes standing outside at like 1130 at night. Oh, God. And we, when we bought this house, it didn't have a fence. We paid a pretty penny to, to get the fence around our backyard because enough time on the leash with these guys. Like I, Because I don't have that superpower, we built the fence. We just let them out. <laughs> We'll make them stare at each other. Now that's that's actually that is a that is a time saver. Mine, I just like I want to be my superpower is that I can go to the grocery store and not get home and say, "Damn, I forgot whatever." Because I I'm gonna live the rest of my one. I'm gonna live the rest of my life always needing something from the store. Like we will do our weekly trip right, and then like two or three times during the week we'll swing by because we forgot Ziploc bags or because we forgot honey. Or, or something. There's yeah. literally always something. So I'm like, I don't know if my super or if my superhero has a name, but that's what I would do. So and it's usually the thing you need the most earlier in the week. You're just like, oh man, I need to put that one on the list first. 
and then yeah. you go, and then you get literally everything else you plan to get, except for that one thing. That happens did, to me all the time. How did I forget that one thing? That that is the yeah. reason why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I and we we've, we've got got a list that we keep on the fridge, like specifically for the midweek trips, and no matter what, and I always oh I'll I'll remember that. How am I going to forget trash bags? Always forget trash bags. But all right, so in the interest of time, I'm going to j- dive right into the second one. Now, Dylan, we kind of had an episode about this um, back in the off season when we were clutching at straws for topics, and we wound up going over your emo playlist. By the way, this coming off season, I'm going to make you listen to a ton of fish. Um, play when you when you were 16. Uh, what are three albums that would have been in your CD player? CD player. Wait, how well, old are you? Would you have had an MP3 player? <laughs> I'm old I'm as hell. So, well, the thing is, is I drove a truck in high school that didn't have a CD player. It had a cassette player. Oh, but I'd go to Walmart and buy a um, a cassette adapter. So it was like a little cassette tape that you stuck in there and it had a str- like a auxiliary cord coming out of it. And then I plugged it into my iPod. And then that's what I listened to music on. But um, what I was really into in high school, let's see. I think 16, 17-ish, I got really into like bluegrass music. Um, I started listening to the Steel Drivers, so probably their their first album. So uh, the Steel Drivers, their lead singer was Chris Stapleton. That's, this was way before all the Chris Stapleton blow-up Tennessee whiskey stuff happened. Yeah, okay, so, okay. Yeah, um, that and then obviously everybody of our age group uh dylan doc i don't know about whatever um um listen to classic rock you know i was uh really big into the eagles that they were my first it's funny that that same truck that i drove in high school is where i remember listening to my first song that i ever remember and it was get over it by the eagles so i've always been a huge eagles fan so probably hell freezes over um is a big one for me and then uh in the in the interim between like early high school and like later high school, I got really into the Black Crows. Still really love the Black Crows. Yeah, Take Your Money Maker was a really big one. I had that on repeat for a long time. So probably yeah, probably those three. Hell freezes over. Take Your Money Maker, and then the Steel Drivers. That's a that's a good combo. I love love some Black Crows. Well, Dylan, we we took a pretty pretty wide range. Uh, and I'm not sure of when when we went through your playlist. So what what were your like your top three for 16 year old Dylan? All right, for 16 year old Dylan, um, Master of Puppets from Metallica. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> God, there's so many. There's so many that were bands that I probably wouldn't listen to now. Um, I mean, if we're just talking about 16 year old Dylan, definitely Too Fast for Love from Motley Crue would have been on there. Um, Third one's probably is a little bit difficult. There's so many. I wasn't big on on listening to full CDs. Probably Breaking Benjamin, The Diary of Jane. So Phobia, yeah, I believe, is that album. I was about to say, yeah, that was a good one. Those would probably be the three. I listened to those a lot in high school. No, those those are a lot of. Yeah, go ahead. Doc. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I mean, I also listened to a lot of CCR. I was huge. CCR fan like early in high school. I don't know why. I mean, I, I like CCR, but I just for some reason got super into into Credence. I'm trying to think what else. Just yeah, just 
I never really listened to a whole bunch of pop stuff. Or uh, I mean, I don't know. I got I got a little bit into uh, My Chemical Romance for a little while, and then like middle school me was like super about All American Rejects, which is really embarrassing. Don't but... don't feel bad. I listened to them too. Swing Swing was one of my favorite songs throughout like my oh, entire wow. high school life. No, I, I remember, man. I remember all American rejects. Him, I was in my, I was in my mid twenties when <laughs> that came out. You, you had Master of Puppets on CD. No lie, bought it on cassette, nineteen ninety one. Not nice. even joking. Nine I, years I, old. First time I heard it was my dad's original cassette. I mean, that's 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 something you pass down from generation to generation. Straight he didn't pass it down. I stole enough. it. He didn't pass it down. I t- I stole it from his dresser. It's not like Damage Incorporated is the type of thing that, that translates really well to like a lullaby. Disposable Heroes, you know, Leper Messiah. Yeah. Like, Daddy, what's a Leper Messiah? I don't really think we have time to get into it now. Um, Listen, I'll tell you but, when you're older. <laughs> but I think for me, like, we had, we used to have Whatever by Our Lady Peace, uh, which was um, recorded right around the time that they had this album called Clumsy, which was their second album. Man, I wore that CD out that was the one that had superman's dead and uh which was which was really big and um i think you guys would have been like six seven years old when that song came out yeah i'll pretend like i know what that is yeah they were they were uh, like arena rock level in uh in canada but they were they really weren't really weren't uh, all that here but i i still love them um i would probably i think i would have had black crows as well they had like a a greatest hits album that came out. So it had a, like all the popular stuff from like Shaker money maker, but also Southern harmony and musical companion um, oh, yeah. songs like sometimes salvation, which to this day, that song still just like the mention of it. I've, I've got chills on one of my arms. It's probably weird. I didn't get it on the other one. Um, and then right around the same time, you could not convince me when I was 16, 17, that three eleven was not the most amazing band <laughs> oh, that existed. Yeah. Oh my God. And every guitar solo I have ever played has been a direct attempt to try and recreate the solo from Stealing Happy Hours at the, the last song on Transistor. It is the m- most chill, awesome, like the chords are, uh, it's, it's like, it's like the Tim Mahoney was channeling Jerry Garcia with it. It's got like that super chill, but kind of, uh, it's just the best. Love it. Can't listen to them now because they are terrible. But back then, man, mm, they were wonderful. <laughs> but Okay. So this is the reason. This is the reason why we wanted to make sure we had to do a do a segment of extra innings. I wish we had a little bit more time for this. But Clay, you have a very special story that you would like to tell. And normally, when we have our guests on, we make them tell an embarrassing childhood story. But I think this is geared a little more towards adolescence. So yeah, so we'll, we'll call it. Adolescence. By the way, so, so if, you, uh, if you have younger children in the car and you don't want them to hear this part, this would be a good yeah, time to end I, this episode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get graphic with it. So this. The, <laughs> I'm sharing it with you guys because I love you and all the people that listen to the Platinum Sombrero because it, uh, it it's too good of a story not to share. But this is the story of how I lost my virginity. Um, so, so I was dating this girl for about two months, and then we broke up for two months, and then we got back together for two months. I was 19. I had just graduated high school. So, super awesome ladies' man. Um, <laughs> so... She uh, she wanted me to come hang out with her at her brother's place in uh, Athens. So I was on my way out. I lived in uh, I lived in north northern uh, Georgia. So I was headed out to Athens. Um, stopped at a super sketchy gas station. 
and bought condoms for the first time ever. It was really weird. It was just <laughs> me and this Indian guy in this like dimly lit um, gas station <laughs> off judgmental, the side of the road. Judgmental had stare. No idea. Had no idea what I was doing. Um, got him headed out that way. So it was it was a townhome in Athens. So like where the where the house was where he parked, he had to like pull off the side of the road. So I pulled off the side of the road in the grass and got stuck. <laughs> she had to, because uh, I'm a redneck and we all drove trucks in, in high school and beyond. So she had to pull me out, but I'm still talking about the truck. Yeah, still talking about the truck. She had to pull me out. I was kind of embarrassed of that. Um so I, I got to a better place where I wouldn't get stuck and so on and so forth. Went inside. Uh, like I said, we were 19, so uh, kids don't drink before the age of 21. But um, So her friend had bought us uh, only the finest of uh, Bud Lights. Um, yeah, so there you we, go. Uh, we went inside, uh, had, some, had some Bud Lights, and uh, we laid in bed, and we watched a 2011 instant classic michael bay's transformers dark of the moon to uh to get in the mood to to you know because that always sets the mood right little michael bay very romantic very romantic uh so all right yeah okay uh the movie movie ended um it was time for the for the deed uh i fumbled around and you know, did the uh, the condom on the banana challenge <laughs> and uh, <laughs> figured out how that all worked. Um, you know, trampoline. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we proceeded to uh, do the deed. And uh, when it was done, we, what we had realized was um, she was uh, it was her lady time. Uh, so we ruined the uh, sheets in her brother's bed. Um, I got nauseous and went and barfed in the toilet. Um, so we threw the sheets in the wa- in the washing machine and uh, went and slept in the guest bed. And uh, yeah, that was. And then we broke up like two months later. Oh, and uh, the ultimate kicker is, uh, you know, the brother. It was her brother's house, right? Um, yeah. Her brother lived there with uh, his partner. Oh, no. So I lost my virginity in a gay man's bed. Oh, okay. Oh. I thought that was going to go a totally different way there. <laughs> no, no, I mean... I thought, dude, you were about is, uh, to, I thought you were about to say that you, uh, that you started a big fight between the brother. No, no, no. No, no. He was, he was out of town. He was out of town. So uh, it was him and his partner's uh, townhome. Dude. I mean, they said you never forget your first, but I mean, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was there was a lot of a lot of stuff that happened. Yeah. Then she uh, she cheated on me with some other dude, and we broke up like two months later. But I'll always have that story. That was um that was like a sign from the very get go of hey, this might not be the move. Oh, absolutely not. But do we? Do at any ni- of us know <laughs> listen, that? We're, uh, at nineteen, there the is nothing short of an act of God yeah. that could stop you. Oh no! There was nothing that was going to stop me. 
Now, if you put a Michael Bay movie on, I might just leave anyway. He's <laughs> getting not just every time. Yeah, I just be like, uh, you're offering me Bud Light and a Michael Bay movie? I'm good. I'm going to leave. I respect myself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was uh, that was it, boys. I hope it lived up to the uh, lived up to the hype. That's a good one. I mean, mo- most of the time, the embarrassing childhood story is, you know, I poop my pants. That, that's always that's always my default. But uh, it's it's awesome to get something that kind of deviates from that. And there's, uh, you know, you're a you're a good man, Clayback, <laughs> for telling that for telling that story. <laughs> it's it's too good of a story not to tell. And there's so many things that just went wrong, and I should have just been like. Nah, I'm gonna go home. But just <laughs> We're gonna call this a night. <laughs> the persistence of a horny 19 year old just kept driving me on. Honestly, it, it's I'm surprised that when you were at the gas station having to ask the Indian man for condoms, you were just like, I don't think this is it. This, this is yeah, yeah. This probably isn't. Well, I mean, you had to buy them somewhere. I just, I didn't want to go to Walmart during the middle of the day and like wait in line behind somebody's grandma to like <laughs> have, the, on them, so. have the checkout the other lady option just was go to this and i don't know if you guys have been out uh well the way i went out to athens is different but like i was going out on like 441 and that is a really not cool area <laughs> like that is a super sketchy like i could have been mugged on the way there which actually would have made a real even better story Right, because it still wouldn't <laughs> have stopped you. Add some, still would not have stopped you. Head. The next time you tell this story, you will have gotten mugged at the gas. I'll have gotten gas mugged. Yes, <laughs> the, the guy will have mugged me. <laughs> right. No, I mean at some of those gas stations, you you can like pop in a couple quarters. It's like a gumball machine, and just get one instead of having Listen, to like. Yeah. Listen. I mean, I didn't hold up. Like, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. If you trust the gumball machine condom dispenser, you deserve <laughs> whatever happens to you. Well, who, how true. long have those that, been in there? That thing has not been I, changed since like 1972. <laughs> I mean, who, who knows how long those other ones that have been in there? But you know, thank uh, God yeah. I don't have any uh, youngins running around that I'm aware of. So <laughs> that is a, that is a good one. We're going to continue that off air because I have some other stories to share that are in line with Clay's um, that I will not reveal on here for fear of getting uh, for fear of getting attacked. <laughs> To, to all you guys out there, thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. Doc, it was great to have you back. Hey, man, great to uh, great to be back, and uh, I have no plans on leaving again anytime soon, at least Never. not during the week. So can't leave me um, ever again. But but seriously, Jordy, I know you're still listening. Man, did an awesome job last week. Everybody's following uh, uh, Jordy who filled in for me last week uh, at Jordan is a brave, and I hope everybody's following Clay too. Clay, tell them where they can find you if they're not following you already. Well, uh, if you want to absolutely waste one of your follows, then you can go onto the Twitter machine and follow at Bravesbeck. Uh, that's pretty much it. I don't really have any. I don't really do Facebook or anything anymore, and all the young hipsters do Snapchat, but I'm just on Twitter like everybody else now. Nice. Solid. Nice, nice. About the same way Man, I do the same thing. You have to act all prim and proper everywhere else. Not on Twitter, where you can be real, uh, or at yeah, least the best version. Be of yourself. Ratchet as hell. On Twitter. <laughs> just create the best version of yourself, and that's the best way it can be. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. When we come back next week, we've got uh, a very special guest that we may be introducing to you guys next next week. So, with that, hope you guys are ready. Thank you guys so much. You know where to follow us. You know what to do. We'll catch you again next week here on the Platinum Sombrero. <laughs> Nothing's gonna ever keep you
Yeah, thanks. Bye.